Welcome to the Fuzzy Mike, the interview series, the podcast, whatever Kevin wants to call it. It's Fuzzy Mike. Take you back to 2010. This is a conversation I had with a then baby band, Neil Reed and Kimberly, known as the band Perry. This was recorded in front of a live studio audience. Check. How you guys doing? Welcome to the Houston Museum of Natural Sciences. First time you've ever played in a museum? It is. I think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Last time you came to town, uh, you were driving on your bus and it broke down. Uh, and then you came here, played, and then got right back on the bus because you had to be back home. I mean, how many whirlwind trips like that do you take in a week? They're always to Houston. The, aren't I mean, they, though? <laughs> it's, yes. <laughs> I always feel like showers are negotiable when we come to this city because for whatever reason, we're always running so late. And back to the bus trip. I mean, the very first overnight bus trip that we ever took was back, I think, in February mm-hmm. of this year when we played the barbecue. And um, we called our bus Big Black. We were so excited to be on it. And about five hours outside of Nashville, it broke down coming to Houston. And um, so we spent the night on the side of the road while they sent another bus For to, five hours. to come. And, and so then at like, you know, three o'clock in the morning or whatever, we were moving all of our gear on the side of the road and sort of repacked the bus, found our, our bunks again, argued over, you know, which one I got to, to have. I like the middle bunks. They're like three. And so we always fight over those. So we let her pick and Rena and I get the leftovers. <laughs> So needless to say, we were running really, really late for the barbecue and what was going to be about a three-hour window for us to get ready and shower and relax and have dinner turned into about a 15-minute window, which allowed no time for hygiene. And um, it was such a great night, though. So we literally pulled up to, to the venue, ran on stage, played for an hour, felt so great about the set and hanging out with all of you guys here. We didn't take showers even for the way home. We were like, this night was so <laughs> good. Night. We're going home dirty. So for whatever reason, you guys, uh, you bring out the best in us. Maybe not our hygiene, but the best bring in the band Perry. We love Houston. But, you know, 15 minutes, uh, you pull in, you have 15 minutes before you go on stage. But and I was there. I brought you guys on. You guys didn't seem stressed at all. So how do you, <laughs> how do you maintain that? We work good under pressure. Yeah, um, a lot of our best work when it comes to songwriting or even just performing is like usually happens at the eleventh hour, because I don't know. I guess it just we were forced to forced to deliver. We've I always guess. been that way, even with like school school projects. You know, I was a night night before the turn in kind of girl. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. And um, but yeah, but we do work best under pressure. I almost feel like sometimes the more chaotic it is, walking up to the edge of the stage, the better performance that we have because it's just like. At that point, all inhibition has totally gone away, and you really haven't had any time to sit and then get, you know, stage jitters or anything like that. Another thing I remember about that night was it was freezing. Oh, yes, it was. And we didn't even think about that. It's Houston. It's burning up. It's like the desert. I but we were like, so we brought all our summer clothes, our short sleeves and everything, and I was like chattering while I'm playing the accordion on If I Die Young. Apparently, there is this freezing. thing called the Weather Channel, but we don't watch it. No. Uh, when do you have time? <laughs> Exactly. You know, you're on an airplane at four in the morning, and then will you guys go back tonight, or uh, will you be hanging out? We we'll head to Amarillo. To, yeah. Oh, you're going to Amarillo. Tomorrow. You play tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, but I think also one reason that we can sort of sometimes walk up on stage and not looked phase, even if we are. I mean, we've been doing this since I was 15. Neil was eight years old when mm-hmm. he got started, and Reed was 10, and they had these matching bowl cuts, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, literally, we've spent more nights than not on the stage for the last 12 years, and you know, you just learn something every time. You, you figure out how to roll with the punches, and um, sometimes the punches hurt a little bit more than others. Yeah. Um, but the hygiene, that was an easy one to yeah, tackle. Forget sh- It's all rock and roll, baby. Did you take a shower tonight, today? <laughs> today I did take one today. You did? I'm, I'm, yes. very good. I'm impressed. Did you? Before the show? No. I took one last <laughs> night. <laughs> 
not smell fine, though. This is way too much information. Sorry, guys. That's what happens oh, when you walk into the family living room, you know? <laughs> we, we could ask for way more information. We'll just kind of leave it there. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Hip to My Heart, because the very first time we saw you in Houston was at the, uh, at the cook-off. And I was surprised, because I figured that was either going to be the opening song or the encore song, the final song. Now, you guys threw it right in the middle of the set. <laughs> A gutsy move, number one, because at the time, it was the only thing that we knew right. by the That's band right. Perry. Yeah. Why the unconventional move? Well, because we like to sort of spread the set out with some points of familiarity for you guys, because yeah. a lot of times you love what you know more than what you don't know, and so I always figure the first couple songs in a set, you're just sort of introducing yourself. It's like sort of the very first impression. And there's natural interest. And there's, yeah, there's natural interest. You guys aren't like yawning yet, you know what I mean, with the first couple songs. And so then when song three rolls around, it's like, let's give them some familiarity, a song that they know and, and that they dig. So that's why we put Hip to My Heart third, usually. And then with the rest of the set, you know, we'll throw in some of our favorite covers, the ones that y'all will know as well, to keep that interest up as well. Yeah, so we, the whole set. we'll pepper the set with some familiar songs. And um, so that's kind of why we do that. Is that silly? Do, do you think that that's so funny? No. Does that make sense? Does Is that, that a good explanation? It, it makes total sense. <laughs> I mean, it's totally scientific. We read a book on this stuff. Yeah. It sounds like it. <laughs> you know Well, it's, as far as scientific formulas go, you guys must have it down pat because the first two singles you've released go in inside the top 20. I mean, I'm sure people told you it was going to be a really, really hard road, but I mean, you make it look easy. Well, you know what? It's an exciting time to be part of country music. You know what I mean? So many great artists out right now, and we're just so thrilled to, uh, to be able to contribute our chapter of our modern throwback sound and our mm -hmm. family three-part harmony. And thanks so much to all you guys for giving us such a warm welcome, of course, all of you out at Country Radio. And we call y'all country dumb. You're like the kingdom of country. And uh, thanks so much for the warm welcome. Well, Kimberly, you talk about a great time to be in country music. Uh, you guys don't have your full length out yet. You've got the EP out. Yes. And you're already nominated for a CMA award. <laughs> oh. Well, we were, uh, we were actually eating a piece of pizza at 9.30 in the morning in the Charlotte airport when we got that news, Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, I think Neil's very first question was... Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> That's I what mean, Dad said, too. I'm, I'm still kind of shocked, I'll be honest with but you. But we're so excited. I mean, we're, we're fans of, of country music, and so to even be on, like, the same page, let alone the same category with Lady Antebellum and Rascal Flats and Little Big Zach Town Brown. and Zach Brown Band, it's like... Are we in the twilight zone? We must be. Um, we're just so thrilled to go to the show that night. We're, we're planning on keeping the seats nice and warm. She gets a fancy dress. <laughs> but I get a, a, a nice long dress, and the guys get some Tails? Tails. <laughs> Is that what they call them? I they think we're right? wearing purple tuxedos. Pur purple tuxedos. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> you know, but with success, and you guys are going to be walking red carpets and stuff like that, and, you know, Kimberly, you are very, very fashion conscious. As I like we clothes. saw. Uh, yes, girls. you do. <laughs> And you have a great fashion sense about you, so are you ready to be kind of scrutinized for what you picked out of the closet that night? Well, actually, technically, it'll be our mother who's scrutinized because she's the one she's who the dresses one who picks, us, us. picks out our clothes. <laughs> she dresses me because I would prefer to be in like sweats and a t-shirt constantly. She always threatens me when I try to get off the bus in my pajamas. She's like, "Uh-uh, girl, go put on something." <laughs> and she dresses um, Rita me because we're colorblind. Are you really? Yeah, yes. we are. We Both work with a guy boys. who's colorblind. How does that work for you guys? I'm Not too well. No. Yeah? Not too well. You have to be really I trusting. It, I don't think it yeah. helped that Kimberly used to switch the crayon wrappers with different color <laughs> crayons. <laughs> I don't That's know. That's not I true. Think, 
Yes, it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, the boys will always need a good woman in their life, and, and thankfully, it's Murray Perry right now, and she can actually match their socks for them. It was funny, though. We, um, we got some fast food for lunch today, and um, when we got to the airport, and Reed got this spicy chicken sandwich, <laughs> and it was brown. And he no. looks at me and he goes, this sandwich is green. No, it's so <laughs> green. The chicken was What's green, wrong? it was, by the <laughs> way. Honey, that's brown. That's what you call brown. No. It's adorable, though. I always feel like I have to take care of them. It's so cute. Little little color blind, little blind brothers. The well, sandwich tasted good, by the way. What? The sandwich tasted good, by the way. It looked like yeah. it tasted good. I mean, you devoured it. From right now, this very moment right now, until the very first time, going back to when you guys first uh, put guitars around your necks and started playing music, how has your sound changed? Dramatically, because we were just yeah. a cover band when we all first got started. A and, southern rock uh, cover band. At and that. Neil was also back on drums at the time. So. And I played a little bit more electric guitar than acoustic. And I wore like ripped jeans all the time. I mean, I was like the rocker, she was the rocker, the rocker chick. chick. Yeah. Yes. And, and um, again, Rena had bowl cuts. That's probably the biggest difference. They had bowl cuts, but they weren't playing Beatles songs. I mean, you guys were like, they were Led Zeppelin heads. Our dad really uh, <laughs> got their teeth cut on, on that. And our collective favorite band has always been the Rolling Stones. We always found common ground there. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, they have a foundation in the blues, but also there's so many country threads in the Rolling Stones because of, I think, the sensibility of their lyrics. And also, they just have a very like American sound. And so we've always gravitated to, to those sounds. Um, and then later on, after the Stones, our mother introduced us to things like Loretta Lynn and Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash. She was the country music lover. And, um, and so I sort of feel like we've always stood at the crossroads of, of those two worlds. But Mom also introduced us to, you know, Michael Jackson. I mean, I remember dancing uh, to Michael Jackson's vinyl, bad album. Um, waiting for the school bus. And so I feel like our, our parents always peppered our musical palettes with a ton of different sounds. And um, we always just gravitated towards country because we liked the real life stories that country music tells. Did you have the uh, leather jacket from the bad era? No, I no. didn't. I always wanted like the glove, but the glove was earlier, right? That was the like glove Billie was thriller. Jean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much yeah. earlier than that. So oh, yeah. I may have made my own homemade one one time. You know, I want to I get this right, because I wanted to talk about a little bit about the Rolling Stones. I was doing some investigating today. Reed, you have the Rolling Stones currently on your iPod. I do. Uh, yeah, on your... Uh, what, what, what song do you gravitate towards? Uh, Tumbling Dice. Uh-huh. Call me Tumbling Dice. That is, yes. But that's not the one you I guys cover. No, day. we cover uh, Country Honk off of Let It Bleed. So. Yeah, that's yeah. collectively our favorite. Yeah, but. and that record is kind of them at their countryest. So I think that's the one that all of us kind of gravitate towards as our favorite Stones record. But um, I have favorite songs off of different records. But as Country well. Honk was actually an alternate lyric for the honky tonk women that we all know and love. And um, apparently, rumor has it that the Stones, at least Mick and Keith, headed out west, way out to like. Texas and Arizona and they sort of traveled around this part of the world because they wanted to get closer to the cowboy spirit and then they wrote uh, honky-tonk women at some little like saloon towns and and ghost towns around the west so I mean they definitely channeled that in that song and I think that's why we're so drawn to it it is them at their countryest oh it's a fantastic song Mm -hmm. it is Kimberly you have the black crows yes I do what the song of theirs I love everything by the Black Crows, mainly because of Chris Robinson's voice. Um, We got to see him and and the band, actually. And it was right after they had taken a break and gotten back together. And, um, I mean, his voice just floored me. I was like, if I could be the female version of that, 
that would be a way to live life and sing your way through life. You know, he's just got so much mm. soul. Um, Remedy passion, is probably my yeah. favorite. I mean, that's what they opened on. I love Remedy. Um, she talks to angels. I mean, I'm sort of a sucker for all of their hits. <laughs> okay, so if you're not familiar with the Black Crows, uh, obviously a band uh, made up uh, uh, chiefly of uh, Chris Robinson and his mm-hmm. brother Rich, yes. who yeah. actually hate each other. So <laughs> you guys get along very, very well being we siblings. We In did. public. Have you had, a, have you had an intervention <laughs> with the uh, Robinson brothers, and what would you say? Oh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Our parents, since we were like this tall, um, really encouraged us to be encouraged by grounding, mind you, uh, encouraged us to be gracious to one another. And I mean, I remember when we were kids, sometimes we'd be fussing and fighting like brothers and sisters are supposed to do. I mean, that is all of our roles on the planet. Um, I remember them taking us to this window one time and they said, you know, there's a big world out there that you're going to have to fight in every day. You're sure as heck not going to do it in this household with each other. And so their early, early encouragement of that when we were wee little ones, I think, has made our life on the road now um, a lot easier. And that's not to say there aren't some fireworks from time to time because when you have, when we're always trying to get to the best business or creative idea, I mean, sometimes friction is gonna cause some sparks, but we always walk out of the room Mm -hmm. agreeing and it is a democracy. Usually. Usually. Well, it Neil, depends on who's loudest. Sometimes at the he presses for two votes. Well, but then we just outvote him. And yeah. it's, it's fine. There's <laughs> democracy at play. <laughs> Neil, we will get to your iPod selection here in just I'll be a little interested bit. Interested to hear which one you're going to. I ask. have a good segue though. Song. I would love to hear it. Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go Now, either I read the set list or, Kimberly, you're reading my mind because you said you had a perfect segue, and that is the perfect segue into talking to Neil about his uh, iPod selection. About you know, his that, fat bottom? Is that what you were going to... Oh. No, 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 no. I was going to where you ahead with that one. Allow me to elaborate. The song that you just heard was originally done by Queen. Queen was fronted by, in my opinion, the most charismatic front person mm-hmm. to ever perform in a band, Freddie Mercury. On your iPod, Neil, you have the current, in my opinion, most enigmatic and charismatic singer, ah. entertainer on the planet. What is it about Lady Gaga? <laughs> well, I am unashamedly a Lady Gaga lover. Um, I think one thing that I love about Lady Gaga are her melodies. I mean, bad romance. I can't even say it. It's so creative. <laughs> uh, and you know what? She's, very, she's different. That's what I like about her. She's different. She's a lot she's, like Freddie Mercury, though. She's got a lot of passion, and um, that's uh, what I think I like about her a lot. That's my favorite thing. Like her enough to come out in a meat bikini on stage Whoa. ever? With her? With her, without <laughs> no. her? No, I heard not that some, much. I heard something about baloney underwear. I don't know. Yeah. That's going to be Neil's <laughs> wardrobe to the CMAs. Not for me. Boy, and you thought hygiene was a little bit too much information. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the truth of the matter. There will never be another Freddie Mercury, whether somebody's trying to portray him on screen or on stage. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess they could kind of look alike. When you guys uh, reach the super stratosphere uh, in the planetarium, uh, oddly <laughs> enough, who plays you in the Band Perry biopic? Oh, wow. I mean, and why? I huh? <laughs> Who do you want to play you? Who plays each of you? No, I mean, I'm talking about camera. We'll pick for each other. Robert Pattinson for Neil. What do you guys think? Yeah? I don't know. I think so. (laughs) Go ahead. Who do you think should play me? I know. Uh, Goldie Hawn. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Or Michelle Pfeiffer. Come on. I know a lot of people say this, but uh, Rachel McAdams say y'all look alike. And then Fareed. um, Mick Jagger. (laughs) 
David Cassidy. David Cassidy. I was like, Mick Jagger will probably be dead. We actually, the last time we were in Houston, we were hanging out at the Galleria, and somebody came up to our mother. Reed was walking around with her, and they said, "So, is he like your love child with Mick Jagger? Because he's just, you know, he's got that face and the, that haircut." The older ladies love Reed. Hmm. You're like the cougar magnet. <laughs> cougar magnet. <laughs> you are. You are. Was that too much information? Never. 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 <laughs> Never. If I die young, that is uh, over five million views of that video on YouTube. If I die young, bury me inside. How does that uh, sit with you? That ten million eyes have watched that video. Ten million individual eyes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Eyeballs. You know, we're really, really um, proud of that. I mean, it, it was the very first song that we had written for the album. And I think ever since day one, we, we really knew that it was a special one. We played it for our mother, Marie, first, and she liked it, but she has to because she's mama. She's a you know. biased. But then every single soul that we've played that song for, whether it was three feet away or, you know, 300 feet away from a stage um, to the seats, it, we just saw that it was connecting on so many different levels with different people across age groups, across, you know, genre lovers, country yeah. music fans, pop lovers. And uh, I always think it's a special song when folks can find themselves wherever they need to on a particular day, when it can be their soundtrack, whether or not... Um, they've just lost somebody that they cared for or whether or not they're just in the mood to think, think a little deeper for three and a half minutes. And um, for us, we wrote it on a cloudy day in East Tennessee, which is where we do our best thinking. And it was pre-record deal for us. We recorded half of our album before we got our deal. And so there was like no promise at all that any ears would ever land on any of our music. But we were just so thrilled to get to put these songs that we had written down to tape. And so for us, If I Die Young was written out of uh, a heart of contentment. Yeah. And it was just us looking at each other and saying, you know, if for whatever reason it all ends at this moment, even at our young ages, we've really gotten to live and love so completely because we're getting to put feet to our dreams and we're getting to do it together. And that was the spirit that it was written out of um, from the three of us. And we just remind folks, I mean, whether you're on the planet two years, 20 years, or 200, it's about loving big and, and living big. And as long as we're doing that, it'll be just enough time on the planet. And um, it's a special song. Thank you guys so much for, for the warm welcome with that Thank one. In, in the song... You say, uh, save your tears for when you're really going to need them. Well, if you can't cry when you lose somebody, when is an appropriate time to cry? I think that idea behind that line was just, don't be sad for me. A, I'm going to a better place. B, because I've lived my life to the fullest, it's been enough time. It's all right. It's time for me to get out of here anyway. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's sort of the way that, that we try to put one step in front of the other every day that, that we breathe, just to make the most of the 24 hours ahead of us. The next set of 24 hours, they'll take care of themselves if, if they're you know, ours to have. Um, but that's really where that line came from. It's just like, don't cry for me. I'm at a better place, and, and I've really done what I needed to while I was here. How special was it to have 1,000 people singing that back to you <laughs> in a recent concert, I believe, in Arizona? Phoenix. Yeah. And we had the same experience in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. I, I think we were I all mean, sort of speechless. Yeah, after the song, we just had to stop for like five, ten seconds and just kind of take it all in. And then 
Then go into country honk. Yeah. That's, that's what we do next. I don't think that feeling will ever get old, though. You know, from whenever we first heard people singing Hip to My Heart back to us to last week in uh, Greensboro. So it's a really special feeling for us. And I'm just so grateful that we have a Fight Out Young. I mean, it, it truly has been the song vehicle um, to, to help us. Well, we say you guys at radio are like the ultimate matchmakers. And the songs are sort of like our box of chocolates. And If I Die Young, I think, is, has given us an opportunity and continues to, to try and, and win your hearts. And, and hopefully, um, at least a few of you in the room, um, you've allowed us to woo you. And it's really played that role for us. And I really feel like that song was going to come to the planet, whether or not we had written it or not, because it just has a purpose on being on planet Earth. Um, but we're pretty excited that we got to have the pen and paper in hand. Well, I was uh, looking at an interview that the three of you did, and I can't remember who it was with, but you said that song came to you. It was easy to write. Yeah, there are songs the that, and I think, uh, Kimberly, you pointed to Neil about being hard-headed. <laughs> um, oh, did you? Well, each song, <laughs> all of our songs oh, are boy. our kids, you know, <laughs> yeah, so they're sort of related. Yeah. And certain kids are hard, more hard-headed than the others. Houston and I think that's DJ when I pointed at him. Makes the band Perry the Robinson Brothers. Great. I can see the headline tomorrow. <laughs> now, in the video, if you've not seen the video, and I know that you have, but um, you, uh, Reed and Neil, carry the canoe we did. that Kimberly is set adrift on. How heavy was the canoe? It was actually really heavy. Really? Yes. Yeah, and, and I think they like, had the take on the first round, but they like just to sing us carry it back and forth. Yeah, like five times. And it's and. funny though, whenever we pushed that into the water, the director, Dave McClister, came up to us, to Neil and I, and he said, All right, now I know how bad you want to, you know, tip her in the water. So let's do this gently. Don't push it hard. That's but the funny said. thing is, when they sank the boat, it took like four guys to push that thing under the water. You were quite It was safe. like the unsinkable canoe because they had a plug in the bottom that they you know pulled to try and get the water to flow in well that didn't work so then this guy got on the edge of it and tried to push it under and even still it was like i was safe and sound in them yeah. except for the spider that was crawling around in it i was like you're gonna see this dead girl coming back to life if that thing gets anywhere near me i do not like spiders how cold was the water Freezing, you know, we, we had some good planning with that video. We picked the coldest day of spring to shoot an it outdoor was, video. It was, I think, actually Blackberry winter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we did it that was on colder purpose. inside the mansion than outside. But that water yeah. was, I mean, it had to have been like negative 30 degrees or something <laughs> like that. But in our direct, it was so cold, actually, that, that David, the director, said, you know, you don't have to get wet. I can fake the shots. And I was like, oh, no. If I'm getting wet for any song, it's going to be this one. And so when you see me pop out of the boat, that was true shock because that water was electrifyingly cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a brilliant video. It's a brilliant song. And thanks for bringing it to us and for sharing it with us. Thank Radio you so much for your support. We appreciate that. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the elephant in the room? Anybody know about that? Okay. Yes. I, I have to preface that because when I say, Neil and Reed, we have not addressed the elephant in the room. Um, sure. It's about time we do that. We need to talk about um, your sister's looks. Oh, <laughs> her looks! One of the more attractive, <laughs> one of the more attractive singers in country oh, music. No. Okay, so I didn't know where this was going because on stage we have these eye signals that we send to each oh, other. Oh, he thought like looks. Oh yeah. no, no, no! Like, did you but, just miss that chord? But let's know. talk about that. <laughs> Well, if you see us do a big cheesy grin and wide-eyed, that means someone just messed up. Really? If the eyes aren't sweet, but they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then you'll see us give instructions like, play this part again. And you'll right. Yeah, One more so. chorus. One more chorus. <laughs> yeah, so. That's what I thought you were talking about, looks. No, no, we're talking about the physical appearance, uh, the, the, the okay. way she dresses no, all Natalie. No, you know she is our sister. 
I know, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Number one, when somebody, because I read on Twitter, a guy named Jonathan Hicks, 1984, proposed marriage to you. Did he? Yeah, and you said, Jonathan, I've been waiting for you to ask me that, <laughs> which is a great response, by the way. Just so you know, we have not met this young man. I, I, there, there's probably a reason. Mm. But mm. as brothers, when somebody says that, writes that, compliments your sister on the way she looks, do you get protective or do you get nauseated? <laughs> I mean, she's your sister. Always protective. Yeah? Yeah. Our, our uh, you know, way of thinking is that nobody is good enough for her. So we make sure that... No. Oh, don't awe. Let me tell you no, this. No, that is out hey, of love for don't, Kimberly. Don't awe, because listen, the boys are only interested in men in my life that they can get something out of. That's for only, instance... That's only partly true. We have a, a boot hookup in East Tennessee. Johnny? And, um... Yeah. <laughs> and the boys were really, really interested in me dating this guy that I had zero interest in at all because they thought they could get free boots out of him. Not and true. Yes, Not this is true. true. So if it, if it behooves them for me to um, go out on a date, I should love that word, behooves. Behooves. I'm going to use it three hey, more times today. You got a free pair of boots, too. I did get free pair of boots for my birthday. <laughs> it's not like so I did go out with him once, you know, as sort of the payback for the free boots. And, um... And the boys were bummed that that came to such a swift end, but it certainly did. <laughs> Again, living room, welcome. Welcome to the pen pairing. No secrets. But let's talk about the difference in genders here, okay? Because, Kimberly, if a lady in the audience wanted to get to know Neil or Reed better, you would... I, I am protective as well, but I'm also equally protective and humored because... It's vengeful protection. It is, no, it is true that, I mean, Reed is like the cougar magnet. And Neil is like, the girls are just inviting him to come play on the seesaw with him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the little girls What's wrong with love the seesaw? Him. I love the seesaw. I personally am a big fan. And my favorite thing right now in signing lines are, you know, when girls come up and first of all, they're like, how much do we have to pay for a kiss on the cheek? And they're like, you know, it's free. Except, and then they're like, but Kimberly, can you like take the picture? And so... <laughs> I'll get out of the frame and they can have their moment. That's so much fun to me. And I'll, you know, I'll be paparazzi for, for 30 seconds in signing lines. Fun. Since that conversation right there, the band Perry has gone on to win four Academy of Country Music Awards, three Country Music Association Awards, three Country Music Television Awards, and one Grammy Award. My thanks to Kimberly, Neil, and Reed, the band Perry. That's it for the Fuzzy Mike. Thank you. The Fuzzy Mike with Kevin Klein. Executive producer, Trish Klein. Mouth noises by Zach Sheesh at the Radio Farm. Fuzzy Mike. Get your fuzz fix online anytime at thefuzzymike.com. Everywhere with the iHeartRadio app and in this pocket. Wow, that is a lot of fuzz. Thanks for listening to the Fuzzy Mike.